So I sold a business for eight million, managed to sell it in two and a half years. We were, me and my business partners, just a couple of idiots from Warrington. We did this with no experience and no money. We had genuine USPs and the people that bought our business were acquired again nine months later. The acquisition was 2.6 billion. Set the business up, didn't have any money. I just made content around questions that people would ask if they wanted to buy my product. How to make your boiler more efficient. How to set your Sky Digital Box, whatever it might be. If you just make content answering questions that your ideal client would ask, you are essentially having a salesperson that works 24 hours a day in 10, 15 places on the internet, only talking to your ideal customer. We were laser focused. Most people quit this moment it gets hard. They're trying to find shortcuts all the time. There is no shortcut to success. I've read two books in my life that I think have actually changed my whole mindset on business. Number one. incredible episode here but before we dive in can i just take two seconds from you just to hit the subscribe button on youtube or leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform it's an enormous help to us and the guests that's enough from me let's dive into this episode thanks for joining us mike welcome to the podcast thanks for having me how are you good i'm really good thanks yeah how are you uh really well okay Excellent. So it's fantastic to have a, a best-selling author um, on the on the podcast. For people that don't know, tell us about that briefly. Uh, yeah. So I just realised that most people on stage selling uh, sort of shortcuts to success, all of them seem to be best-selling authors. So uh, I thought, you know, having read some of their content, there must be a way to game it because none of them can really string a sentence together. So uh, I looked into it, researched it, and I found a way to sort of guarantee that you get a best-selling book. And to prove the point, I um, published a book that said blank page on 144 pages, got it to number one on Amazon within 24 hours. That was then used as the hot new release of the week and promoted by Amazon. So people bought it. I sold 49 copies and was a best-selling author and it didn't even have any words in it. So just to show a lot of this stuff is all smoke and mirrors. A lot of the people teaching you a shortcut to success aren't to be trusted as it's an easily achievable thing it's easy to gain credibility authority and game uh accolades like that it's like pay to play isn't it essentially mm, you know it's yeah. easy to do so and there's a world full of these people um sort of taking money off people that really probably shouldn't be paying them for advice if i'm honest yeah so that is your entrepreneur series um that you you know you spent years um paying to get to go on these courses and exposing these people i'd love to talk a bit about that but i think the thing that i'd love to talk more about is your first business uh because clearly that was very successful and what led up to building that business what you learned from that the, the sale of that business just give us give us a quick overview of that and i know that you spent sort of like six years in startup businesses, figuring out how to how to you know build this business, was that planned? Uh, yes. So essentially, uh, to I'll sort of backwards plan it. So I sold a business for eight million. 
Um, I sold that in 2017. I set that business up in 2015 with the sole intention of growing, scaling it, and then selling it for 10 million. That was my goal. That was my plan. Um, it was to sell a business for 10 million in three years. I didn't achieve that thing. I achieved 8 million, but I managed to sell it in two and a half years. Um, part of the reason why I sold it at that point was because the people that wanted to buy me, number one, they wanted a quick sale. Number two, they didn't want me to have a workout. So I wouldn't have to do like a 12 month, 24 months, three, four, five year handover, like a lot of businesses do when they're um, being acquired. Um, so that was part of the reason why I sold it. Plus, there was lots of things in the industry at that time that made me think that maybe the good run was coming to an end. So time in the market is so important if you do anything, whether that's investing, growing a business, selling a business. And the things that made us unique and that we did that was different to the industry when we started two and a half years earlier had now started to creep into other people's businesses in our niche. So our competitors had started to actually look at us and go, shit, the business that we thought wasn't going to be around here in three months time and we didn't like how they market themselves and the things that they said and the stuff that they pointed out that was wrong in the industry, they actually started to follow our lead. Now, if you think about it, we were, me and my business partners, just a couple of idiots from Warrington <laughs> with no experience in this industry. Um, if we could achieve a, a business to have 340 corporate clients that we only acquired on LinkedIn, by the way, we didn't do any paid advertising. Um, and we did this with just no experience and no money. Imagine how quickly some of these big corporate multi-billion pound businesses could achieve what we had done in such a small time frame. So it was the timing was right to sell that business when the product was still fresh. It didn't need to be updated. Um, we still had a competitive advantage on lots of people. We were causing enough problems for other people that wanted to buy our business. Uh, and before everybody else started copying what we did. Interestingly, now, pretty much the business that we created and sold, which was unique and unusual, is how most businesses in the learning online learning sector uh, now looks and feels like. So we had mm -hmm. genuine USPs that weren't around at the time. And if I was going to do this again, I wouldn't do exactly the same thing as what I did the first time. I'd actually build something different in the same industry because I now think it's tired again and it's ready to be disrupted again with a, a far superior product. So cool. that'd be my advice. So that, so just very briefly, so that, that business was Learning Heroes, which was like online learning courses that you could yeah. subscribe to. Yeah, so how that started was, uh, so I'll take it to the beginning there. So I um, have always wanted to have my own business. I don't want to go back and say, I used to sell cigarettes and used to sell chocolate in school because that's a, a well, everybody did. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a business person or uh, an entrepreneur. But essentially, I always felt like I would uh, have my own business. So I worked in sales jobs, got quite good at selling. But I worked in a big corporate company. You might have heard of it, British Telecom. So I used to sell broadband to people over the phone like b2c on a dialer calls every four seconds boop pissing people off when they're eating their tea so i was getting i had to think on my feet um try and sell people things that they hadn't even asked for cold calling outbound i learned a lot of stuff doing that then i got promoted from that or moved to the b2b department in um bt so that was there now these were clients that used BT and they used our core plans. They used BT mobile. They used BT switch system, whatever it might be. Then I had to basically get them to upgrade to a better package or try and sell them business mobiles, whatever it might be. I did that. So it was a different conversation. 
Um, and to be honest, I wasn't even that great at that. But it was a different conversation to just getting constant no's and bothering people, let's see. Um, I was I didn't think I was very good at it, but I then got moved to something called BT Local Business, which was a startup at the time. BT hadn't really run this program before, and that was designated teams that were owned by franchisees um, that would deal with a small business community in their postcode area. So this was BT giving their, uh, you know, um, what would you call it? Hand-holding, you're our key account. So I was Mm -hmm. on a six-man team, basically. And this was owned by a franchisee. So this was a startup business. So I was in there, but at this time, there were six of us on the team, but there was probably 20 in that business altogether. I worked there for two years and I learned so much about startup businesses and business in general, being in that environment. One of the key things that I learned there was they made it clear what everybody got paid. So there was a spreadsheet so everybody could see exactly what people got paid, but against your name was the costs that you incur that business. So I was fully aware being aged like 21, 22, that I had my salary, I had national insurance contributions. I had pension contributions that the business made, how much my computer cost me, how much my business mobile cost me, uh, the heating, the rent for the building that they lived in, the office cost. We were the sales team, so we were the revenue generating team, but we were supported by admin staff. So we had the admin staff's salaries and bonuses split between the sales team. We didn't get paid until all of our costs were covered. And we were all fully aware of this. So everybody could see exactly how much they cost, even down to £10 a month would come out, would be added to my cost for, to cover tea bags, Robinson's juice, everything. <laughs> so I was fully aware. Um, and so I realized, oh shit, when you hear these salespeople saying, well, I did a 10 grand deal for this business, how much actually goes to the business might only be 500, 600 quid. And mm-hmm. it suddenly made me realize that you sell, you salespeople out there that think they can do this themselves aren't aware of how much how many pounds you have to make to actually get a pound in your pocket and this was before um, utility bills have gone through the roof as well so I learned lots of things about this and I was quite good at it so I tried to learn as much as I could when I turned 24 25 the owner of that business uh, was called Martin he's recently died um, he was what I would call my mentor. He didn't know it. He didn't advertise himself as a mentor. He didn't have a Facebook group where he'd give you, you know, download this PDF and, you know, follow these video tips or whatever. He was just a business bloke. Everyone got on with him. He was dead nice and he was quite successful. It was actually him that invented or designed the BT local business franchise model for BT. Um, So he was quite entrepreneurial. Anyway, so I worked for him. I realized that... When a promotion came available to a field salesperson to do face-to-face selling, and it wasn't, I was overlooked for that. I wasn't even asked for an interview or anything like that. I realized that I probably wanted to go elsewhere to further my education and knowledge uh, in business. So that's what I did. I looked around for um, startup business opportunities in Warrington, brand new ones with less than 20 people in. And I found a startup called Legal for Landlords. And they didn't have any employees whatsoever. They didn't even have a website. And I quit and left my job where I was earning um, decent-ish money at the time to move somewhere else for a pay cut because I knew I would learn more at that startup and have more growth opportunities 
that I would be better prepared for when I wanted to set up my own business. I then worked at um, Legal for Landlords. I went down to 14 grand a year um, and I stayed there for four years. And at that point, having spent six years in startup businesses, I went from 14 grand to 70 grand, by the way, in that four years. Um, my brain going was about four, about four, four and a half grand after tax at the time. Mm-hmm. But I had literally been at the forefront of everything that business did. I had to design the sales process. I had to do customer service. I underst- I started to hear conversations that would normally be outside uh, your sphere of influence if you work in, like if I work for BT proper, I'm not going to be sat there with the head of marketing, the head of sales, the directors, the people that set up that business. So I was a sponge basically for four years, hearing conversations I shouldn't really be listening to and learning so much about business. And that's what I did for four years. And then I realized I was, I've always been a bit of a tight ass. I don't wear jewelry, don't drive fancy cars or whatever like that. Still live in a sort of three bed semi. So my expenses were only ever two grand a month and I had a family at the time. So what I did was when I was earning 70 grand a year, I realized that I wanted to set up my own business. I realized my expenses were two grand a month. So I saved all of my money outside of that, my expenses, and then told myself when I had enough money, enough runway to quit working altogether and survive for six months, um, I would set up my own business. And that's what I did. On the day that I had enough money to do that, I handed in my notice, age 29, quit a 70 grand a year job with a baby that was due in three weeks time and went home. And I didn't even know what my business was going to be on that day. I had no idea. I hadn't even thought the idea yet at all. And that's what I did. I quit that job, went home. My wife at the time said to me, what are you doing? We've never had it so good. We've never had sort of two and a half grand a month left over after everything's been paid. Why have you quit? And I said, I just think I can do more. I wanted to be in control of how much I could earn. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you worked for somebody else, my feelings was you're only valued as much as they value you. So um, long story short, I was promised something. I was (laughs) promised a grand if I achieved something. When I did achieve that thing, they only tried to pay me 500 pounds. So I quit a 70 grand job because for two reasons. Number one, I didn't think they kept the words and they tried to bump me for 50% of what we agreed on. And the second thing was I finally felt ready six years in startup businesses. I felt mm-hmm. that I'd seen enough of things that went well, seen enough of things that go badly to just be able to have a crack at running my own business. And then uh, I left. They put me on six weeks gardening leave because they were worried I was going to set up in direct competition with them. I didn't. I went and set up a business in a completely different industry that I'd never, ever worked in before. And then basically wrote a plan that how I could create a real alternative to what was out there and then backwards plan that business from 10 million in three years. That was my plan. I didn't even have a passion for that industry. I didn't even particularly want to be known for doing that thing. It was just a vehicle to create enough money for me to do things that I actually wanted to do. And that's what I did. Year one, I got, uh, so it was an online training business and I'll give you an example of how I come up with the business idea. How do we learn in real life? If you're at home and you want to learn anything, you probably go to one or two places. You probably go on Google or you probably go on YouTube and that could be anything. How to cook the perfect roast dinner, how to set your sky digital box, how to, I don't know, um, 
whatever it might be, you'll go to those two places. Weirdly, when we're at work and your business tries to give you L&D or develop people, they'll make you sit in front of like a three-hour death by PowerPoint e-learning um, module, right? Hmm. I don't know why they do this because we all accept that none of us learn like that in real life. No one's going to go, oh, well, do you know what? I really want to learn about um, whatever, how to cook the perfect roast dinner. I'm going to sit on my computer depth. for three hours. You want to find out as quickly as possible and follow along and then pause it, put it into practice, pause it, put it into practice. So while I was looking at job boards, I kept seeing stuff like you need to be be able to work in a team. You need to be able to communicate effectively. And I thought, how can you prove that you've got these skills? Because you can't do a GCSE in effective communication. So I started to look at online courses and all of them were dog shit. And I thought, why on earth would I pay £29 for an effective communication course that's six hours long and it literally looks like it's been made Colin, the IT guy, that's never actually been on the shop floor or in management or actually worked. He's just an IT geek that knows how to do PowerPoint. I just thought it was rubbish. So then I started to look at the businesses that create e-learning and the all charged businesses per course, per head, They'd have collections like the management collection, the leadership collection. So not only was it a shit product, they were overcharging for essentially what was content and trying to tie people into a long contract. So it was like, you're trying to force businesses to learn in a way that we all accept nobody actually learns in real life and tie them in for four years. So I just thought, what a novel concept this could be. Just create something that you would enjoy yourself on the terms that you would want if you were a customer. So I would want short, bite-sized, animated explainer style, or just tell me one skill, let me go and try and put that into practice. Because I realize that e-learning is actually a shit way to learn anything. Mm. The real learning happens putting things into practice through experience on the shop floor. Because that's how I'd learn about starting a business, right? I went and did six years on the shop floor and learned so much. So I realized e-learning is good at introducing concepts, ideas, and thoughts. However, the actual learning takes place on the shop floor through experiences in shadowing people, trying things, trial and error. So why not create that for businesses to uh, train their employees? And I would just look at everything that I didn't like about the um, um, how our competitors worked long contracts, price per head, price per course, tying me in and just create the opposite. So I literally said, you can cancel any time, subscription, new content every week. I don't care if you've got 10,000 staff or 100,000 staff. It cost me the same to make it. If you get more value out of it, great. Like I shouldn't profit because your business has grown and got an extra 10 staff. Or if you're a startup and you take on a new member of staff, then you come back to me and go, Oh, Carol's just joined the team. How much is it to add Carol to the learning system? I just thought it was nonsense. And that's what I did. I literally tried to create a genuine alternative to what was out there with real USPs. One of the biggest problems I see with businesses now, I see it all the time on Facebook, I see it all the time on LinkedIn. If you ask a question, what's your business USP? They'll go, it's me. I'm the USP because I'm quirky or whatever. They're not real USPs. If that's what you're relying on, you've, you've probably stumped when it comes to so i actually had real genuine usps to what was out there mm. and then 
I went about marketing it. I had no money, by the way. I was bootstrapped. Like literally I was on my savings. Um, and so if, if I didn't sell something, it was game over, which I think a bootstrap startup, you're probably more likely to work harder than if you just get investment. Because I think a lot of companies or people, startup business owners, focus on getting investment yeah. at the beginning that they don't realize that, you know, that just that's just to get you to day one. It's now day one. You've now got to start working. They think it's done. Getting investors, I reckon I'd work harder if it was my own money and own, like that I was spending when I made decisions than if I was spending two million of investors' money. So that's why we did it with no investors. So yeah, set the business up. Didn't have any money, so I thought, right, how do I get people to notice me? And then I just made content around questions that people would ask if they wanted to buy my product, um, and that's all I did. I put content on LinkedIn, grew an audience to like forty thousand. Um, year one, signed 80 corporate clients up. But there's stuff like the Football Association, Halfords, Matalan, the Arcadia Group, Topman, Topshop, Boots, pretty much anyone that you know on the high street um, used our training. Building firms, the NHS, colleges, universities. Um, because we had such a compelling offer at a price point that made it a no-brainer, because it was cancelled any time, we could easily... It wasn't an either or decision between us and competitors. It was like, oh, well, we're tied into a four-year contract with this company. However, we'll take your content as well as. Whereas again, a lot of our competitors were, they would have to wait two years. When's your contract ending? Because, you know, no one's going to spend another 30, 40 grand on training. So that's what we did. Uh, year one, I'd signed up 80 clients, but this is monthly recurring revenue. 80 mm. clients paying um, between 350 and 500 pound a month. Year two, I'd sign up another 200 clients. Um, and that was, no, we had 200 clients and we'd, we teased the price up by this point because there was a lot, a lot more in it. So they were paying about, the average was about 412 pounds, but so pretty much 500 quid a month. All your learners could get access to all of our training content and you can use it however you wanted. Um, and that was it. Year three, 340 clients and they didn't spend one single penny on paid advertising at all. I was the only salesperson until the last sort of six months in that business. Uh, yeah, sold the and business, got offered seven million, turned it down. They offered eight million three days later. Took the money, had the money thirty-two days after the first inquiry about buying the business. Was was, was turning it down an easy decision? Was that a kind of like, well, they're going to come back with another offer? So uh, yeah, because I wanted like my, my, my idea was ten. Yeah, and so they said to us like, what if I made you an offer of seven million now? What would you say? And I said, if you had a house that was for sale for a hundred grand and offered you 70 grand for your house, what would you say? And it was, it's the same answer. I think people sometimes think, you know, take the money out of the equation. Like they were trying to bump you for 30% mm -hmm. of what you actually wanted. So it was an easy decision to be honest. But you, you took eight though? Yeah. Because the terms were better. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was like, that was better for me because mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to work for two years for somebody else. Yeah. My point was, I didn't want to work more than three years. Yeah. So as soon as the terms then changed and meant that I would have to work for somebody, why would I want to work there? I, I didn't, and I could do more with yeah. the money doing my own thing. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic to have that opportunity to not have to go through that earnout period and, and and just go there. I mean, was that very much planned in like the way that you created that business? Was it all very much yeah. focused on, it doesn't need me to run? 
Yeah, so the, the biggest problem I see with a lot of people, I, I've got like a little business community called Views of My Own, where it's full of business owners. That's good. So many people in there have essentially created a job for themselves and they don't realize that. And I think too many people realize that too late in the process. Um, like if you are Bob's Boilers and it's just you and then you've got like a, maybe an apprentice, no business is going to buy Bob's Boilers from you because, you know, everybody buys the boilers from Bob because they know Bob, right? And you're mm-hmm. doing everything. Like you are basically, you've created a job for yourself and you're the busiest person, you're the, the busiest employee. Yeah. That whole business was set up to run without me. So like the last 12 months of that business, we had somebody that I paid more money than I paid myself because I was still paying myself minimal money because I knew my big payday would come at the end. So I was paying somebody like £64,000 to be the MD in that business for when I sold the business. So I could show people, here's your MD, here's your head of sales, here's your head of marketing, this is how the business is run and we don't do anything within that business. So I built it and I employed people and paid them top dollar to allow me that when it came to the sale, if I couldn't get the price that I wanted, I could negotiate the terms that benefited me the most. And Mm. that's what I did. So yeah, it, everything was built to sell. So we sacked ourselves, replaced ourselves, mm-hmm. and on paper that business ran completely without us. But they had the and management you, team in place. And you and you wrote a little bit about. Um, I, th- I think you mentioned at some point that you that deal nearly fell through, or like you mentioned some of the mistakes you made. Is it, yeah, loads. It'd be, be great to to hear hear some of those because I think that that, that could really help people. Yeah, so there's like loads of mistakes. Obviously, we've, you've never done this before, right? We're working class mm. people. It's hard enough to set up a business that actually works well and you can attract clients and all those types of things. So there's lots of things you don't know. And when people are buying your business, um, they can kind of take advantage of that. However, things that we did that, you know, I, I looking back now, I should have got, I should have improved. Number one was contracts, the right contracts in place. So we had internal staff, that we employed employees, but we also had third-party um, freelancers. Even though we paid them to create content for our business, learning content, um, e-learning modules, animated explainer videos, we didn't. We didn't when we were selling the business own those things because they were created by somebody else because we didn't have the correct IP contract in place. So we then had to go and get them to sign contracts backdated contracts that meant that everything that we sold which is mad so if you're you've got like third party developers for an app or whatever it might be when you come to sell that business unless you've got the right ip contract in place that isn't shown as an asset on your balance sheet which is crazy mm. we and we had worked like that for two years not knowing that because we just assumed that the freelancer contract that we had was good enough but when it was under scrutiny it wasn't strong enough that meant that we could um, we own those assets, so we had to backdate it and get that sorted. That was one. Number two, accounting is huge. It's one thing that you listen to me saying you want to go and do. It's like get managed accounts. If your plan, so you can know exactly what's going in, what's going out, how much things cost you, you know, your profit, your loss. Our accountants weren't particularly very good, um, but we paid a lot of money for them. Mm. We assumed that they were good, but they'd never dealt with an online subscription base sort of like, ed tech company before um so when we were selling our business i remember being in their office saying that i think our business would be valued at 10 million when we sold and this is three months before we sold by the way they 
laughed and said that the most we'd ever get for our business is 1.2 million. That's our accountants, by the way. They're the mm-hmm. people that are meant to be yeah, positioned so we get the most value. Um, so did they did they explain how they actually calculated that? Or? Yeah, because all they're used to is like, you know, John's hardware store and it's like, well, how much profit do you get, right? Times yeah. that by three. Yeah. Not looking at who would be likely to buy our business, what cross-sell opportunities are there, okay. what's the... Um, savings made on um the same management team our product's worth 100 grand you've got 340 clients yeah. could we sell our 100 grand client uh, product to your 340 clients then there was also selling our product to their existing 3600 clients just to put this into perspective the people that bought our business uh were acquired again nine months later um and the acquisition was 2.6 billion and it was, they're now the biggest learning company in the world. And we were a small part of that. But it goes to show they had, it's when they were buying, rather than going, well, it's, there's lots of reasons why they bought us uh, cash flow, subscription based, all those different things that make it attractive. But essentially they're going, does it fit our bigger picture, which is let's roll lots of businesses that have got this model in together, then we can sell for a big multiple of a huge number mm. and that's what they did mm. uh, so it's incredible i think the thing that really impresses me about what you've done there is is just the the planning and the forethought and that i'm going to set this goal i'm going to go out i'm going to create this business most I'm gonna people set don't it. do that though it's mad yeah, isn't it it's like absolutely. if you don't when you say to people so you know what's successful what's weird by the way if you say how much money do you want to earn a month a lot of people say 10 grand i don't know why they say 10 grand mm. when you say how much you want to sell your business for people say one of four numbers 1 million, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million with like sort of no logic or, or behind it. Like most people aren't working towards a plan, aren't working towards mm-hmm. a goal. We were laser focused on getting enough customers paying us 500 quid a month that we could get the multiple that we wanted that would then allow us to sell the business for 10 million. We would have probably sold them the business for 10 million if we had gone to our run date because we were six months early and we were at 8 million. Mm-hmm. So if we had got that if we carried on acquiring at the speed we were however it was the terms that made us sell at that point mm. because everybody that had sort of been interested to that point wanted to keep us in place essentially wanted to pay the money over three years four years pointless using the money that our business was generating to pay us yeah, anyway yeah. so that's why we sold so i we, i would have hit the target probably gone a little bit over but it wouldn't have been what i wanted mm. um but we used to say, does it make the boat go faster? So the problem with a lot of business owners is this. They're not paying themselves. That you know They're eating hand to mouth. And then out the blue, Google comes out the blue. Bear in mind, we've not paid ourselves at this point. We're about four or five months into the journey. Google said, I've seen one of your animations um, that we'd put on YouTube. And um, we'd like you to work with us. And they offered us 90 grand. Bearing in mind, we've not paid ourselves. Mm. They wanted us to work exclusively for them for four months and they were going to give us 90 grand to do it. We turned that offer down to carry on making modules for our main uh, catalogue of content we were creating to try and sell to people for £350 a month. We turned 90 grand down Mm -hmm. to do that. And most people will go, well, why would you do that? You take the 90 grand? No, because then we would have become an employee of Google for 90 grand and we couldn't have reused any of that content. So it would have put us off track, off the goal. We were laser focused on executing the plan that we knew would work 
or believed it would work. Um, that's what we did. So people follow or chase shiny things every so often. Mm. Oh, I've seen this. I need to do this. I need that. No, just do the thing that you know is going to work at hundred percent effort and execute it. Don't go and chase that because you might make two grand there or five grand there, or in our case, 90 grand there, you know, we turn that down. And at the end of that month, after turning down the 90 grand from um, Amazon, we paid ourselves 500 pound each that month, which for a lot of people, they think well, that's mad. But I believed and knew that doing that work and making those um, sort of 12 modules, 12 different courses in that same time frame would allow us to attract, you know, business, like a lot of business that essentially when we sold and we got the multiple would mean a lot more money than the 90 grand delayed mm. gratification. So yeah, that's, um, that's what we did. Do you have any regrets? Um, I regret not just going and doing this, like going straight back into work like two weeks later. I was applying for jobs like two weeks after I sold. Like, I regret just not starting straight away because, but regrets is one of them, isn't it? It's like, I wouldn't, I didn't know a global pandemic would hit the world for two years. Mm. I didn't know that all my investments, you now I've got a villa in Spain, never been to it. Been Well, never been there on holiday. I've been there to view it, buy it. You know, so there's lots of regrets, but the regrets are outside my control. But if I, that what things that were in my control, uh, I should have just started uh, doing a similar model again. In a so what industry. kind of, but so what kind of jobs were you applying for when you, like two weeks uh, Like working estate agents, um, oh. stuff like that. Because what, what, I like to learn properly. Like mm. I like to learn through doing. Yeah. So I, you know, you know, do I want to pay um, a property guru that um, if you look at his balance sheet or check company's house, doesn't have any assets, doesn't mm. show any profit. Do I want to go to his 14 hour course in Basingstoke and learn how to invest in properties for like $2,997? Or do I want to get paid for my learning and learn about property investment through working with property investors or working mm. for an investment company or working at estate agents? Or, yeah. So, so you need what you wanted back. to do. You just you just wanted you wanted experience in that area for the thing yeah. that you wanted to do next. Yeah, like and this is what I always say, like, you know, when it comes to doing any of these things, business, whatever, there's two ways of learning in my 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 thoughts, and it's this. Do you pay for a guru to try and shortcut what you need to know and tell you what you need to know? Bearing in mind he probably doesn't know anything about the industry you want to work in, anything about you as a person. Um do you want to pay for that? And it costs you money to learn and it's probably not going to be beneficial or in depth or actual real world experience. Or do you want to actually go and work in a real startup, preferably in the niche that you're thinking about working in yourself and get paid to learn? Which one do you think is a better way of learning? Which one do you think is a better quality of education? And which one do you think is going to benefit you more long term? Which one of those two things do you think you're going to be more successful having done? If anybody has said the guru, you know, you <laughs> lost people do of yourself. Lots but why? Because it's the, it's I, I easy, say it's all the time. It's, it is easy, yeah. but no, no result. Who would you who would you say are the most successful business people in the world? Pick anyone. Uh, I don't know. Richard Branson. Branson, Musk, yeah. Steve Jobs yeah. when he's alive, Bezos, whoever it's going to be. Not one of them would ever attend a guru seminar and sell a mm. shortcut to success. Not any of them put their secret down to only work in four hours a week from the beach on their mobile. Why? 
because we all accept, even the people that try and bypass this stupidly, that hard work underpins all this. Jeff Bezos is sat there in his garage or whatever it might be working 14, 15 hours a day. I'm not saying don't work smart, but work hard yeah. is key to any of the success stories we know. And that's in business, that's in sports, that's in the gym. The Rock. Do you think The Rock watches videos, my three quick tips to get a, the perfect chest or my, you know, how to grow um, Python biceps in 90 days? Or do you think that The Rock's in the gym <laughs> doing curls, and squats and bench pressing? So we all accept this in everyday life. However, for some reason, when it comes to business, we try and shortcut it. And we line the pockets of people that haven't even achieved the thing that they're telling selling you a shortcut to. And I always give this analogy now to make you realize how stupid this sounds. I'm going to now do a guru ad, but I replace business or affiliate marketing or dropshipping or NFTs or crypto or six-figure your income or whatever it might be. I'll switch it with sport and you'll see how stupid it is. Imagine you're on Facebook. An advert pops up now. Boom. Learn in 90 days, how to win the PGA Tour, even if you've never picked up a golf club in your life, two grand. You'd go, that's fucking stupid. You know, if you've got no experience, you've never picked up a golf course in your life, how do you think in 90 days time you're going to be on the PGA Tour? You're not. However, as soon as you replace that with anything that is wealth creation, people mm. think it could be true. Being a successful business owner is like elite level sport. Mm. You've got to do your reps. You've got to do your hours in the gym. You've got to do, you've, you've got to go through all that learning to be successful. Mm. There is no way to shortcut it. And here's the kicker. Most of the people that sell these courses still use Musk, Bezos, Richard Branson in all their marketing anyway. Yeah. As a way to hook you in. Like, oh, look, Jeff Bezos, he's on Amazon. He earns 20 billion pounds a second. However, if you take my Amazon Fulfilled by Amazon course, uh, you too can earn six-figure income. Like Jeff Bezos is making all that money. You're just working for Jeff Bezos and paying these dickheads just to tell you how to upload products to Amazon. It mm. blows my mind, mm. you know. And that's kind of what I've spent my time doing is yeah. exposing those people because I could quite easily have been one of those people on stage saying, hey, guys, follow my two and a half year plan to scale your business and sell your business for 8 million. But you know why I don't? Because <laughs> what a lot of these gurus don't tell you is, um, look, like look is a huge part of this. Yeah. You can do all the right things. You can do identify the right business. You can work really hard, but there's an element of luck that has to happen. Market conditions outside of your control that you can't replicate. Mm. I couldn't replicate the exact same thing if I did it today and mm. work for two and a half years. I couldn't because I can't guarantee that there would be the same market conditions and somebody looking to acquire mm. my business in two and a half years time. So that's I think, why I can't just package it up and sell it as a course. And I've actually done the thing as well, which makes me different from most of the people that do sell this bullshit. I've actually mm. sold my business. It's public mm. record but I still don't feel comfortable enough to sell it to other people because number one, you're probably not going to achieve it because I probably couldn't achieve the exact same thing and I've already done it once. 
I think I think this this is quite interesting area actually where it's I've come across lots of people that are quite successful have been successful probably through doing one thing and haven't necessarily appreciated the variables that are involved there and the luck that that has you know why they don't know because that somehow dampens their genius or their their ego doesn't allow them to admit that but i ain't got no problem with that i'm just a working class kid from warrington that come up with a good idea executed it quite well it's all right at marketing found someone stupid enough to give me close to the price that i wanted for and sold like Mm. You know, I mean, the best people like who give the kind of advice in the right way would 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 say, "Look, the, this is what I did in this scenario. These were the these were the variables. Like, I'm not saying go and do this, but this yeah. is you could learn from this." That's why I like views of my own. Like views of my own. I just let, let literally let people see exactly what I'm doing in my real businesses now mm. in real time. Like, here is a real case study of a mark a guerrilla mm. marketing campaign that I've run myself. I'm not saying it will work for you. You know, I'm not telling you to dress up like ghosts and run around exhibition centers or to, you know, hire a crane in Manchester with placards. And, you know, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying, here's what I've done. Here were the mm. results. Here are how I come up with an idea for a marketing campaign. Mm. Go and come up with some yourself rather than yeah. going, if you do this marketing campaign, you will earn six figures, which, and that's my biggest problem with the same thing. Mm. Your t- especially when now I know I understand marketing, right? You can almost laser target exactly who you want to speak to, right? It's it's too easy now. So if you're crafting your marketing message to be something like no experience necessary, no money down, um, sixty days, it's it's not fair. You're t- if you say anything to do with very little money or no money, especially property, for example, you're you you are knowingly target somebody that's not got any money. So the chance of them being successful is pretty low, and mm. you know for them to buy your stuff. They're going to have to go into debt, use a credit card, borrow money from somebody else. So you are deliberately targeting people that you would argue are the most vulnerable people. However, mm. flip side of that is, are you targeting people that just want to shortcut? You know, they're trying to con doing the right word, the hard work, the hard yard. So do they deserve it? I would say probably not, but you are the result of the questions that you ask online. If you start searching bullshit like how to make a million pound business in 12 months, you probably deserve everything you get after that point because mm-hmm. it is the wrong question to be asking. Nobody asks that question or, or nobody that is successful yeah. is asking. No one's going to the rock that really wants to get in shape and going, Hey rock, can you tell me how I can get a six pack in three weeks? Nobody, but you see what I mean? Yeah. Everything's out there that you want. All the examples that you want to follow out there. You know, I've read two books in my life that I think have actually changed like my whole mindset on business. What were they? Number one rules of wealth by Richard Templer. And the other one is called The Millionaire Teacher. And that's a teacher that earns like 35 grand a year. He's become a millionaire. Taught me about investing and understanding Mm. money. You know, I've not been to a seminar or paid 20 grand for them to tell me this thing. Bought a nine quid book. So 18 quid has changed my life. Mm. That's 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 it. But people don't do that stuff, do they? Even now, like, oh, what, read the book? No, can I I just get it on Blinkist? People try and shortcut everything. It's just mad to me. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, that's a, a big area that you, you've touched on. There is the, the hard work that's necessary to but, have but the highest the, chance of success. But this is the maddest thing, though. We all accept that's how you be successful yeah, yeah, yeah. until it comes down to you doing it. Yeah, it's like, but you know the answer. Yeah, but you know what? What about the six minute abs? Yeah, but mm. you know the answer. Anybody that's looking for the six minute abs, I bet they've not got a six pack. Mm. Anybody that's followed the six minute ab formula, I bet they've not got a six pack. Mm. What they did was they got somebody that's been in the gym for twenty years 
to promote that product and pretend he's done it in six minutes. If yeah. you don't understand that, then, you know, there's something wrong. Yeah. And a big part of that, like, hard work is 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 ultimately, like, it's a really big mental challenge. Is that something you struggled with at any point or there, there are ways that you found of coping with that? Because I know we talk to a lot of people who, you know, we'll see in the trade industries and there's constantly posts of like how like people saying, oh, I just want to pack it in. Not not saying everyone wants to do that, but like it's a problem that, that business owners have. It's hard. Yeah, but but what I'd say is when it gets to that stage, so if you've got your own business and you find like it's like a treadmill and you can't get off and it's hard work and you're not enjoying it, like I, it's a cliche, isn't it? You've got to enjoy the journey rather than destination. Because mm. honestly, when that moment happens, you think it's going to be brilliant. But all mm. those things that eat at you inside and anxiety, depression, your ups, downs, feeling happy, sad, money worries, they don't disappear. The only difference is now you've got nothing to take your mind off them. Mm. They're, they're amplified, right? So you've got to try and enjoy the journey the best. Now, if there's things that you're finding hard and you don't enjoy, that is just an opportunity to look at exactly what you're doing in your business and start outsourcing those tasks. One of the easy, well, the simplest tasks I do is like list tasks by 10 pound, 100 pound, 1000 pounds. If you're a business owner and you're doing 10 pound, 10 pound tasks, admin, following up, invoicing, stuff like that, that's probably one of the easiest things for you to outsource to somebody else. Might cost you 20, 30 pound a week. Just to, someone does it for a couple of hours a week for you. 50 quid. That then frees up your time to do more 100 pound tasks. And then once you start doing more of them, you start generating more money. Mm. You then outsource those jobs. And then you've got a thousand pound tasks that you start outsourcing them. So if you're finding it hard and you're not in June and you seem to be busy, look at what you're doing. List all your tasks into three columns and get rid of all the shit that you don't like doing and don't want to do that's low value. Because you'll find someone cheaply that will take that problem away from you. And I guarantee um, you will enjoy it a little bit more. So that's that's how you do it. Yeah, you there's, no way, there's no way to get around this. You can't shortcut, bypass, or circumnavigate mm. hard work. It doesn't exist. Yeah, But nobody agree. wants to do that. Yeah, And you work hard and you do all the right things. And you know, say the harder I work, the luckier I get. I believe in that. So when that moment of luck arrives, you're in a far better position to capitalize on it. You know, that's yeah. that's it. And I was just in that position. When that luck mm. arrived for me, I capitalized on it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so you were very, very focused on what that goal of achieving that outcome was. Yeah. Most people don't know that. And again, again, I would say, write down what your goal is. People are like, oh, I, I, I want to sell the business for 10 million. Right. When? So, right. Put a date on it. Right. So how now do you get to that price at that? So what do you need six months before then? How many customers do you need? How many customers do you need paying you? How much per month, right? What's that price per month, right? So if you need that, if you need 500 customers in two and a half years time, how many customers do you need by 18 months, nine months, six months, three months? How many each week? How many each day, right? How many calls do you need to make each day to get? When you break that goal down, but most people go, yeah, I want to earn 10 grand a month. All right, well, what do you charge? Oh, I charge like 200 pounds an hour. Like how many hours a week do you work? Well, how the hell do you get to 10 grand a month? Like you've not even thought about this. You've just mm -hmm. literally said a number because I've asked you a question. Like if there is no, and I'm, I'm amazed by how many people just sort of bumble through the week, the months, mm -hmm. month after month, week after week, year after year, getting nowhere near where they, where they mm -hmm. say they want to go. Write it down, write exactly how much you want, 
Exactly. It doesn't even have to be 10 million. It could be, I only want to work four days a week. Mm. I want to earn 10 grand a month. I want to earn 10 grand a week, whatever it might be. And then start planning how to do that. If you want to work three days a week, then you go, right, so how much do my costs cost each week? My costs are two grand, right? So I need to be charging how much per day, right? Well, I'm only working three days and I'm going to have to work a little bit more, right? What other costs are associated with that? Right, okay then. Oh, now I've got extra days off. So I'm probably going to be spending more money than I'm currently spending at the moment because I've got an extra two days to account for. Ah, so actually I need to earn an extra 500 quid a week that I didn't know. But people don't think like that. Mm. It's mad. What are your goals now? Uh, so build uh, views my own to a thousand um, subscribers a month. So that'll bring in 15 grand's worth of revenue for that. That will then free up enough time for me to employ a couple of people in the community. Make it. I want to make it the UK's number one um, sales and marketing community. Um, so do that. And then my main plan is in the background, I will then be able to focus on what I really want to turn views of my own into which is for businesses and corporates. I mm. want businesses and corporates to basically, when they get their marketing team to go, we use views of my own as our um, training, our learning development. Yeah. And so I would, I will have corporate licenses that I, I charge to uh, businesses. Mm. However, I've got two years worth of content, mm. uh, knowledge, experience, and almost like testing before I launch a corporate version of it. Mm. So that's my goal. And I'm I'm happy once I'm earn once I'm earning ten grand a month again every month yeah. after tax in my pocket, I can just chill, relax, and actually get happy because I'm a miserable sod. Do you think you could do that though? What would you do? Like once you reach that goal, chilling out? No, no, it wouldn't be chilling out. Like I would literally go and I'm. It's like a gift and a curse. I'm really focused on certain things, and I mm. go all in on things. And I would just go mm. all in on fitness. I'd go all in yeah. on health. I'd go yeah, all yeah, in yeah. on like traveling, seeing the world. My problem last time was I didn't earn enough money for me to be able to do that. I don't think mm. what I wanted to do was earn enough money to buy enough properties to guarantee my kids future. That was all my goal was. Mm. And I thought, how much money do I need to do this? Oh shit. If I work for somebody else, I'm never going to get in that position. However, in three years I could earn, basically I just said in three years I could earn 10 years worth of money was my idea. Mm. So I'd get 10 years ahead. I'm just going to do the same again now. I still think I've got a big one left in me. Mm. I don't think that was the big one, to be honest. That's awesome. I, I can certainly attest to views of my own being useful. I can see the route to, um, you know, corporate subscriptions. There's two of us in a, in, in our business right now that that, that subscribe to it because it is it's really useful. Yeah, but it'd be it'd be different. It'll be more like modules that they yeah. could download, put it into their own learning management system. It'll almost be like I want two versions. I want like a sort of low cost entrepreneurs businesses less than sort of five people i want that mm. version that would never be able to afford mm. what the sort of all singing all dancing version will be because i i'm one of those people that's what my old yeah. business was that's what my business is now and i understand the difficulties of doing that there's no mm. point me telling boots how to run a 10 10 pounds guerrilla marketing campaign they've got a million pound budget you know to do that kind of stuff you know see what i'm saying so mm. it would be two very different things. What I'm lucky at, what I'm lucky is, what makes me lucky is I've done training for big corporates first. Mm. So I actually understand what they want. However, I can create that content, but I am actually that small business owner that's mm. worried about, you know, business rates. If I mm. employ an extra few people or the office space gets a bit bigger, mm. uh, you know, having an accountant doing managed accounts and stuff like that. So, 
that's my day-to-day life. I just want to create a sort of corporate version of it. Yeah. And we've got like our first meetup and stuff like that. I actually want it to be like meetup events, mm. not selling from the stage, literally like here are some really good people that can tell you about guerrilla marketing campaigns. Here's yeah. a really good salesperson that can, and do it properly. There's so many things I've seen wrong in that industry. The irony, I look at it like this now because it's a bit disjointed. The entrepreneur stuff I just did because I was interested in it. I had nothing else to do. It was to keep my brain active so I didn't cause myself a mischief, basically. Mm. So I kind of feel like I've done it myself, achieved something. I've shown people what to look out for and avoid. And now I'm trying to show people what to do and what to try because mm. it might work for them. So I almost feel like, I don't know if it's right or wrong or the just way my brain works. I've almost squared it away as the entrepreneur stuff was important to my journey for the views of my own stuff. Yeah. Because I've learned, you know, there's a lot of people out there pretending that they've achieved things and teaching stuff that's bullshit. They've never mm. done it in real life before. They've never owned a real business. They're telling you how to do a marketing campaign to acquire a new business. However, they've never sold a product. They've never sold a service, you know, yeah. so they don't actually know any of the stuff that they're teaching you. Mm. And so I thought, how can I be different to that? Well, how cool would it be to be able to sit there and watch somebody in real time build a business from zero? We had zero customers when I opened the doors on Views of My Own. And then I've just basically documented stuff that I've done or stuff that I'm doing or answering questions from other business owners that are in the same position as you are, I am, we all are. Yeah, fantastic. 15 quid a month if anyone wants to join. <laughs> Click the link in the description. Right. Yeah, we'll drop it in. We'll definitely yeah. drop it in. It is great. Um, highly recommend it. Really useful, actionable things that we've been taking action on, seeing results. So yeah, that's great. It's good for those in the trade, by the way. I know obviously you do yeah. stuff with the trade, don't you? And it's, yeah. again, it's like the small business owner that, you know, doesn't want to do like, they've not got, they're not going to buy a hundred grand CRM or they're not going to do mm. like a, a marketing campaign that, you know, defrost mm. and all this stuff. Mm. It's good for like, go on there. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm just going to put that into practice now. Yeah. Highly recommend they look at that. You've, you've worked with some, um, certainly I know like sort of plumbers, heating engineers on, on, the, on some of their marketing. What yeah. are the things that are different about that industry or is there anything or what are the biggest challenges you've seen and biggest ways you can help them? It, it's, it's mad, right? So people always say to me, oh, well, that wouldn't work in my industry, but mm. it's, it's, it does. I look, Again, I go back to the same principle that I had when I was creating online learning. When a person has got a problem, if I go home now and my boiler is spurting water out everywhere, making loads of noise, I go one or two places. I either go on YouTube or Google to quickly diagnose what's wrong with it or find out and try and sort it. Now, YouTube is the second most searched, um, is the second most searched search engine in the world. Um, Google's the first. Did I say Google then? YouTube. YouTube second, Google's first. Google owns YouTube. So all you need to do is just make content with a search first mentality. So what Mm. question would I search that I want this video to turn up as the answer for? Mm. And that's all you do. If you just Mm. make content answering questions that your ideal client would ask or your existing customers ask and put that in the places that they search for those questions... Mm. You are basically scaling yourself. So if you're a one-man band, two-man band, three-man band, nobody's better on the phone than you, right? Because you know everything inside Mm. out. You know all the answers to all the questions. So if you just start making content that answers those questions and put them in all the places that people ask questions, you will start to generate self-qualified leads for free. This Mm -hmm. isn't Facebook ads spamming people's feeds. 
This is somebody with the exact problem you fix, searching mm. for it, finding the answer. Mm. And now, because Google owns YouTube, Google started pulling through YouTube videos onto the first page of Google. So if you mm. start tagging them up properly, calling them the right things, mm. and then you can reuse that content as frequently asked questions on your website, in blogs, you can do it as in your marketing campaign. Like, here's a great tip on how to make your boiler more efficient, mm. you know, whatever it might be. Just create evergreen lead generating content and you are essentially having a salesperson that works 24 hours a day in 10, 15 places on the internet, doesn't take a day off, doesn't want commission, won't mm. whinge, doesn't want a pay rise. It's you in 20 places only talking to your idle customer. Mm. And that is the same for any tradespeople. Yeah, We've just I been to Lincolnshire and created 12 videos with a heating and boiling engineer. Mm. And it was showing an install, the difference mm. between two different boiler systems, savings that you can make so you can bring down your energy, uh, um, your cost, energy cost down. That's the same with every single industry. We've done it with an artificial yeah. grass company recently. Going there, what's the difference between these two grass types? Mm. You know, can I put this in a garden this size? What about drainage? All the mm. questions that you get answered every day. And here's a, here's a quick tip for anyone that wants like some value from this. Just get a piece of paper. And every time you're on the phone with anybody, any of your clients or any prospects, just write down the questions they ask you. Do that for a week. And I guarantee the same 10, 15 questions will get asked over and over again. That's your first bits of content. Just make that content. And then what happens is it makes any of your uh, customers, it removes any ob objections when they see your content and call you up. They've seen an, uh, your content, an objections already been overcome. And if they're ringing you, they want to buy because they've already bought into you. Mm. They believe you, trust you, understand you. Loads. I've got yeah. uh, a, a client that uh, installs balustrades, like staircases. Same thing. It's like, but it's the same principle. All it is is the questions you're answering are different. That's it. So, so it, it I think works. that's. Fantastic advice, and I've definitely seen that in action. The The biggest blocker that you would come across if you were explaining this to, to, to a lot of people is, I don't want to give away my expertise for free. That's the blocker, and what would you say to that? Uh, well, it's a it's a stupid way of thinking, number one. Mm. It's like, think of it like this, right? If you help them, most people can't do the thing that you do, right? You can only do the thing that you do, and you've only got that experience, you're only that good, and you're only that knowledgeable because you've been doing it for so long or you're the best at what you do. So I listen, I could tell you all now exactly how to build and sell a business for £8 million. I guarantee that 99% of you won't do it and can't do it. Your customers are exactly the same. 99% of your customers that search about balustrades or boilers aren't going to be able to install a central heating system. They might try and they're going <laughs> to fuck it up. And then who are they going to come to? The guy that's helped them. So that's one way of looking at it. So if, another way people look is, if this is how good the free stuff is, what's it going to be like for the paid stuff? That's another way of looking at it. Third way of looking at it is this. Um, if someone watches your content and they've got your problem and then they go and try and fix it themselves, they were going to try and fix it themselves anyway. They weren't going to buy from you. However, now you've earned money from them watching your video. So you even start making money from the people that don't even use your business. It's a revenue stream you weren't even going to get. So at worst, you're getting a revenue stream from people that were never going to be your customers, which you've never had before. And at best, you're going to have 
people that have already pre-qualified themselves and 100% are contacting you because they want to spend money with you. Mm-hmm. So that's it. It's a backwards way of thinking. Yeah. And that that's fantastic, right? Actionable advice. Like, uh, yeah, totally, totally think everyone should, should go out and do that because actually there's not a huge amount of competition for it as well. Well, think of it like this, right? Every single movie that you watch has got a trailer. They don't go, oh, if we tell them the trailer, they're going to know <laughs> a little bit about the movie. Like, that's the whole point. Mm. Oh, I trust this guy. He seems to know what he's doing. That yeah. sounds quite difficult. I'm going to yeah. get him to do it for me. Or it sounds quite difficult, but I'll have a go myself. Oh, sh- shit. Now there's smoke coming out the boiler. I better phone him quickly. Like, listen, I saw your video. Really great. I've tried to do this. Can you come around? Yeah, no problem. Boom. Yeah. There's an extra 50 quid call out for you because you've been an idiot. Yeah. And I think, uh, and all of the people that we've had already on the podcast are are doing like the person that you were you were talking about. I think it, it was on our on our second episode, I think, of the podcast, or even the first, maybe. Um, and they're all doing that, and they've got highly successful trade businesses. It's no coincidence. It's weird, isn't it? All the people that you say I wouldn't want to do that seem to be doing quite well, but you yeah. keep whinging that you're busy. Yeah, you you know your clients are annoying. You're not making enough money keep doing what you're doing then like and leave it to the ones this one i know it sounds weird it's it's almost like a counter argument to the work hard thing working hard is brilliant right because it is hard to do but most people don't want to do it mm. which then means that you're actually only competing with a very few very small number of people and that's what people don't seem to realize you know they say what is it uh walking the extra miles lonely because mm. most people quit before then but mm. once you basically outwork some of these idiots that are in your industry and your competitors which is quite easy because most of them don't want to do that graft. It's easy once you've got past that tipping point because there's nobody else out there that is is willing to do the bit that you're doing. So it then mm. becomes so easy to charge more money, mm. grow your business, employ more people, remove yourself from the business. It mm. becomes easy. But most people quit this moment it gets hard or the moment it gets difficult or they're trying to find shortcuts all the time. There is yeah. no shortcut to success. There is no, there is none. So just work hard at it now. The quicker you do it and the sooner you do it, then you'll be more successful earlier. Then you can outsource and you can get other people to do all the bits that you don't enjoy. And life is a doddle. Think, Business yeah. is easy, I think, but actually executing it is hard. And I yeah. think that's why most people won't do that. Don't do yeah. that. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. Fantastic. Well, I think we've we've run out of time there, but um, cool. it's awesome to to have you on. There is so. I always much. sound arsy, by the way. I always sound uh, arsy in interviews. But I I, uh, I think you're being very self-critical there. I think it, it like genuinely that was. There's just so much in there that people can actually say, right, I'm going to go and do that that one thing and see how that works. Just do it, like you say. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. Have you seen Top Gun? Top Gun uh, Maverick. Not the new one. No. It says, "Don't think, <laughs> just good? do." So cool but again just a final thing you know i do get working smart working it's like working smart working hard they're not mutually exclusive mm. work hard at the smart stuff Gotta do both yeah, yeah exactly awesome it's been great, great talking to you mike cheers man thanks very much see you in a bit cheers